Join me in prayer as we continue our message series for 2023. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for your agape love. That is your unconditional love. We say sorry for hating those who persecute us. Purposefully, we choose to love our enemies as we grow in your love. We submit to your better way of loving to enjoy the blessings in this life now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may have a seat. Hello, it is good to see you. It's good. We even got little ones in the back. I like when we have little ones in the auditorium. It it makes me feel so youthful. Uh, So it is. It's good to see you. Now, before jumping uh, into our message, let me just introduce myself quickly. My name is Drake. We've got some new visitors here. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here. (laughs) I kind of forgot for a second, Jess. I'm the senior pastor here at Elevating Life Church, and welcome to everyone. Welcome to our guests. Thank you for being with us. Uh, We appreciate it. To our regular attendees, of course, and of course, our membership. It is truly good to be with you. Now, this week, um, we need to understand some. Understand, um, last week's message, uh, if you were here, and this week's message go hand in hand, in hand and they're seamless. Now, with, today with our message, uh, we are still amid the Sermon on the Mount, presented, of course, in the Bible, The book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 5 is where our our main text is going to be, our verses today. Matthew chapter 5, once again, is where we will start the message today that I've titled, it's a good one, Religious People Push You Down. Spiritual People Lift You Up. And that's a good title. I like that one. And so today I want to um, discuss God's love and how to use it to lift people up and love those who persecute you. Now recall last week's message about it was about uh, the rejection of retaliation. Raise your hand if you recall that message. Yeah, many of you last week. It's about uh, that rejection of retaliation and creating that Christ-like trait of what is known as deference in the soul. Now, I didn't get to that last week. Kind of, kind of, you know, went rogue a little bit. But if you read uh, the devotions that I put out with these messages, uh, you read that uh, devotion Monday or Saturday in the newspaper. It was on the character trait of Jesus, known as deference. And just understand this, deference is showing respect to something or someone regardless of the circumstance, situation, and relation, and or relationship, even if, as we said last week, someone slaps you in the face or persecutes you, as we're going to talk about today. You know, deference is, is missing today. As I shared in the devotion, you look in families and marriages, deference is gone. What happened to the respect? And I'm talking about a respect out of God's love, not out of, let's say, just what society expects. It's missing, and I would highly encourage you to go back, listen to that message last week, read the devotions. Uh, We 
Uh, I believe we're starting to record Wednesday night. That's how you apply and put things in your life so you can get these character traits into who you are so that then you can develop to be like Jesus. That's why we're here uh, at Elevating Life Church, is to be like Jesus. Not to be like mom and dad or anybody else, but to be like Jesus first and foremost. If we miss that, you miss the mark as Paul shares. So that was last week's message on deference. Now this week's message, uh, let's just carry last week's attitude forward um, because it's all about loving those, let me put it this way today, loving those who worldly people love to hate. Okay? And worldly people love to hate their enemies. Now if you're a Christian and you have somebody you hate, you consider enemy, and that hate is there, I'm speaking to you today. That's a worldly attitude. We've got too many people hating out there. And we've got to learn to love as Jesus loves. So they love to uh, love, or they love to hate their enemy who persecutes them. Now, on the flip side, Jesus' disciples, raise your hand if you're a disciple of Christ. Okay? Jesus' disciples are commanded, instructed, taught to love your enemies. Notice I said that. It's not going to be natural. Okay? Somebody's going to slap you in the face and go, oh, I got these fuzzy feelings about you. It's not how it works. We're going to talk about that today. So let's read our scripture today. Read with me our main verses today to gain an understanding of, and it's interesting because when we follow this particular teaching, uh, the character trait of creativity is developed in our soul. I can't tell you how many Christians I, I talked to and they said, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Would you quit knocking God down like that? We're all created in the image of God. Guess what? You have creativity. You're just arguing and fighting with God. Or you're interpreting it based on how the world expects you to be creative. Come on. I think that might be the issue. So we're going we're gonna to look at this command today that gives us the ability to plant that seed of creativity. We're going to water it. We're, we're going to really uh, give some attention to it so that then we can work it and so that then we can use it to serve ourselves, others, and God well. So Matthew 5, 23, or excuse me, whew, I just went back five, month, or five weeks ago. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 46. Again, of course, this is Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Once again, if you're a disciple, raise your hand. There you go. He's speaking to us, isn't he? New disciples at that. And he says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, if you read the Old Testament, the first five books of Moses, uh, this is what he's referring to. It's called the Torah or the Pentateuch in the Christian tradition. And these new disciples now in front of Jesus are Jewish people. This is their textbook. Okay, Y'all understand, we all went to school and we had a textbook. For them, the textbook was the books of Moses. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. By the way, love your neighbor is in the book of Leviticus. Uh, hate your enemy was uh, what was interpreted to people by the religious people. You won't find that in Scripture. But you will find it in interpretation through those religious people who love to push people down. Who's with me? 
And that's what he's referring to here. It's critical we understand this because we're not here to push people down. We're here to lift them, uh, lift them up. But look at what Jesus does. He adds to it. He doesn't throw it away. Jesus, he's here to fulfill the law. Uh, uh, or excuse me, yeah, he's not, about, not here to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. And he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray, communicate with them. Oh, think about them. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your, of your Father in heaven. Is that a small H or a capital H? You ever notice that in Scripture? That small h represents something. It represents the value of God the Father and His love here on earth as we live, and we are to live by the highest value of God, which is love. Are you with me? See, you got to see some of this. He causes, now this is so so great, uh, he's quoting uh, the Torah, but he's going to flip everything upside down, and Jesus is going to quote the weather now. Come on, John, don't you just love Jesus? He's going to use Scripture, but then he's going to go outside of himself, and he's going to, see, uh, he's going to say what we're going to see here. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Please see what he's doing here. This is brilliant. Here's the Word of God, subjectively speaking, and then he goes, check this out. God makes the weather too. And you can read or hear God's voice through the weather as well. You see that? Now we have a complete conversation going on, which Jesus is presenting. And he goes, this is total truth. This is total reality. It's brilliant. Go back and read this. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And then he goes on and he says, "It now, he's speaking to this crowd. Are you with me still? If you love those who love you, Check this out. What reward will you get? I got I to gotta pause here. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I know my daughter-in-law here loves 80 movies. Loves them. I love them because uh, in the 80s, they have, you know, Ferris Bueller and Weird Science, and I'm sure you can quote them all. But I love them because they have this, every time I read this, they have this scene in most of these. The movie clap, Right? I can just see Jesus here. Teenagers, are you with me? You've probably seen some of these, these um, movies. But you get to this movie and you're watching it. So here's Jesus. This is how I see it. If you love those who love you. whoop de do. Are you with me? You'll never get that image out of your head. I'm here to serve you. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Now check this out. This is so great. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now you have to understand how, how people despise. I know we, we're on the fence with tax collectors today, but they hated them. Tax collectors and Roman soldiers were enemies. And Jesus is pointing right to them. And so what, if you love those who love you, so what? Of course, give me 50 bucks. I'm going to love you. I love you because I need you. Come on, give me some money. I know your parents got more than that. Come on. 
But Jesus doesn't love that way, does he? He needs us because he loves us. And that's how we ought to love. Do you love people because you need them? Or do you need them because you love them? And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us with our enemies. Believe it or not, we need them. And we love them because we love them. That's Matthew 5, 43 through 46. That begins our message, again titled, Religious People Push You Down, Spiritual People Lift You Up. Now, with that set up with the Scripture, now, to think outside of the bun... And using last week's message with this week's message like a taco from Taco Bell. You're welcome. Let me put some seasoning to this message by asking a question. Here's the question this week. And teenagers, listen up because I know you're going to relate to this. Look at me, teenager, real quick. You've got to listen. This is good. You're going to relate to this. I promise you. Somebody's going to come to your mind. All of us, but... Check this out. Have you ever been a victim of someone's cruelty where you felt you could almost choke them to death? Let me ask that question again. Have you ever been a victim of someone's cruelty where you felt you could almost choke them to death? Smiles on the teenagers. I believe we've all been there where toxic emotions welled up in us, uh, let's say, in the heat of the moment. And for most, at one time or another, we all felt, felt we, we felt there could, that we feel we could have lost our mind in that moment. We, we felt they, they could, we could lose our mind over that one who's pushing us down. Or doing something even worse. We've all been there. Raise your hand if you've been there. Come on, be with me. Let's, let's just normalize things. I think a lot of people think I'm the only one. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is called normative truth, by the way. It's awesome. Now, undoubtedly, Jesus is clearly teaching his followers to go the second mile and this week love those who push them down and or persecutes them. As we see in the scriptures that we just read today and that we saw last week. Now, let me say this. I know, I know, I know, I know that these lessons sound counterintuitive and go against our animal-like tendencies. What do we want to do in our one-up and one-down mentality? What do we want to do? We want to be like that animal. An attack. Isn't that what we want to do? We want to attack and attack with that animal-like tendency. Well, thank God we are not created in the image of animals, but in the image of God where we get to lift people up, even our enemies. Hence, enter Jesus who's with me. Observing the faith today. Encouraging others and lifting them up has gone by the wayside. 
especially with their enemies. We live by what is known as the glass rule, or what we saw last week, an eye for an eye, or tit for a tat, or whatever metaphor you want to use. So we, we live by the golden, or excuse, excuse me, class, uh, the glass rule, rather than by the golden rule that we are to live by, even with our enemies. Because understand, all human beings are our neighbor. And why Jesus actually pointed and said, listen, I know you think the Israelites and this is your neighbors. You're wrong. That's why he is now teaching love your enemies. Because he's now going outside of the boundaries of the Israelites or the Christian faith or who people interpret or how they interpret their neighbor. He's talking about all human beings, period. And we have to get off of our high horse and we've got to stop living by the glass rule, meaning, uh, you know, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. No! We have to uh, stop that. And um, I-, I will say this, discouragement today is how most Christians walk in their faith today. How many people are discouraged and or walking around like Eeyore? Of course, if we stop and think about it, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus flips this misunderstanding on its head and shows the whole, a whole different way to live. He shows what care is and responsibility, and he shows what respect is and know how. Jesus flips this misunderstanding on its head and shows a whole different way. It's not about discouragement, folks. We're here to encourage one another, whatever our role or position is. It's about encouragement, even to the most. Uh, it, even in the most disheartening times, specifically towards our enemies. Now, why is this? Well, Jesus knows encouragement. Please hear this. This might be the only thing you walk away with today. Please hear this. If you want to learn, you want to apply this to your life, you want to become a better Christian, hear this. Listen. Jesus knows this. Encouragement is the oxygen for the soul and is what is expected when it comes to his disciples fulfilling God's excellent plan, not your plan. Fulfilling his excellent plan of of increasing and growing his kingdom now. If you think the kingdom is afterwards, you're waiting for your last breath, you've missed the Christian faith altogether. And just as Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mountain, He's going to look at you and say, I never knew you, but didn't I serve water in your name? Didn't I give clothes? No, you're missing the mark. Jesus said, I never knew you. Off to Hades you go. Woo. So now the question is, though, in this situation with this encouragement and everything I just shared, now the question is, is Jesus teaching us in these two lessons to be a doormat? Slap. You know, let the enemy just tear you apart. Is He teaching us uh, to be a doormat and, and just blindly submit to those who push us down, slap us, or persecute us? Is that what He's teaching us? 
Now, many think, many Christians, again, raise your hand if you're a Christian, many Christians think being a Jesus disciple is passive in, in these types of situations, and doing nothing is somehow how we should handle it. Let me say this, really? Really, really? And unfortunately, a lot of people looking into the Christian faith, uh, they see you being passive in the faith, not paying attention and everything else and doing whatever you want to do. And they look at the Christian faith and they're like, Phew. and they interpret these very passive people in the faith as doormats and or whatever. Many think Jesus being a disciple again is passive uh, and doing nothing is somehow how we handle it. You know, sweep it under the carpet. Now let me ask you this. Do you, do you believe that's what Jesus is teaching? I want you to think about that. Is this how we should handle persecution? Be a doormat and, and just do nothing? I think we all know the answer. Of course not. So what are we to do? Well, we do what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't whimper around and shriek away from people who scold you. What you do is find the place from within you folks that opened up when you received Jesus as your way, as your truth, as your life. The place He opened up. If you accepted Jesus Christ, this place exists. If you don't know what I'm talking about, come and talk to me and we'll get Jesus to you. But this is a place that opens up, that gets deep into us, where we find care and compassion for those who slap and persecute us. So that in order... In, in, in turnabout, we can encourage them and lift them up and show there is a better way based on the attitude, mindset, and actions of the Christian. We should understand that there's a better way, and that's what Jesus is teaching us. Now, before we get any further, let me ask you this question. So I want to talk about a tax collector here and, and, a, and a soldier. When you read Scripture... Is there any tax collectors that come to mind that because of this verse and disciples doing it, they were brought to the Lord Jesus as the Lord and Savior? Can you think of any? Matthew's one of them. Another one. Zacchaeus. How about Roman soldiers, right, who, who we're going to talk about the cruelty? Do we read in Scripture Roman soldiers, enemies being saved? Yeah, I think Jesus has a reason for this. We're not to be doormats and just, you know, be this passive or just do whatever we want and just not pay attention. We've got to be mindfulness of Jesus in our, response, in our role and responsibility. So let's go back and put some answers into what Jesus is teaching His disciples so we can grab onto it. First, let's return to last week's message uh, just a little bit to get us into last week's understanding so that then we can get into this week's understanding. So last week in Scripture, if you recall, we understand that if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek uh, also. We learned that last week. And then also go the second mile. Uh, again, as shared in that lesson, uh, was, if you recall, was all about uh, rejection of, anybody recall? Rejection of retaliation. Remember that last week? You've got to reject it. 
instead of being that, that force that, I don't know, charges the White House or something like that. I don't know what I'm saying that for. Okay, we've got to reject it, just as Jesus did. So let's make sure we understand this in the sense of Jesus' teaching. We're going to bring these two messages together now. So let me just kind of give you a recap of last week. But let's do it in a, in a fun way. Let's do it through a, a narrative or a story type of um, uh, experience here. Let's say you, okay, this is you, for you now. Let's say you were an Israelite. And well, well, a fisher person, man or a woman. And you were on the road going back into town from the Sea of Galilee. You remember the Sea of Galilee? We were just there a couple months ago. And you had to go through now uh, the tax collector's booth. That's how it worked. You caught your fish. Unlike Rich and I, how we do it, we catch our fish, cut it, go home. Back then, they had to go through the tax collector's booth because that's how things worked in the Roman Palestine era or in those days. Are you with me? So you get up there to that tax booth now, and let's say, you said Zacchaeus, let's say Zacchaeus, uh, you guys remember that guy, right? He's, he's in the Gospel of, of Luke. He's that, he's that tiny dude. You guys remember him? Uh, and in this story, let me say this, he likely has short man syndrome. Can we say that? You, got, you all know what that is, right? You think they're all that in a bag of Doritos with a pomegranate juice on the side or whatever. Okay, now, you don't have enough money, let's say, to pay taxes on what you caught that day. That's just how the system works. Now, you're going to face that Kios and you're going to tell him that you don't have enough money to pay those taxes. You say, Zacchaeus, I I don't have enough to pay. And what does Zacchaeus do now? He gets angry. He jumps over the table, let's say, and slaps you in front of everyone. Pow! Roman soldiers are watching, and they will break your kneecaps if you do anything. Because that's the way of the system. They're there for the tax collectors. They're working for the empire. Not Star Wars. Okay, not the Star Wars empire. Okay, be with me. So Zacchaeus just humiliates you and shames you in front of everybody. Now, you're a disciple of Jesus. Remember, uh, you've been hearing Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, on top of the mountain. You love and you trust Him because you've been listening and applying what He taught you on the Sabbath and in the synagogues. And you're compelled by this man, Jesus, and want to follow Him. Raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus. Come on. Even though everything seems counterintuitive, but you know it's a better way. What do you do? How do you respond to Zacchaeus or anyone in this type of situation? I mean, you just got slapped. Angel, can you imagine that? Pow! 
You just got slapped by those who oppose you, your enemy, in front of everybody. Or maybe you're not a fisher person like I am. Uh, let's use another uh, scenario. Maybe uh, it's the Sabbath. And you are having a picnic by the Sea of Galilee. And let's say uh, a troop and a troop of Roman soldiers, soldiers come walking up and carrying these heavy bags. And they have been out on patrol around the lake. That's a pretty big lake to be patrolling on foot. Now this situation, go back to Jesus' day, was widespread back then. Where these guys now show up and you know it's going to be trouble. So now all of these get the scene in your mind. All of these families are sitting around the lake and are doing what you do on the Sabbath. Just enjoying God's good world. And then all of a sudden, all of these swords come out. The soldiers point to you and say, Hey, you Israelite! They throw their bag down, throw it on the ground, and they look at you and say, pick up my bag and carry it over that hill to my home. Do it now, or you're dead. Now understand, they had the right and the authority to do that in the Roman Palestine days. Again, you're a disciple of Jesus. What do you do? Well, what you say to Zacchaeus, let me give this to you. You say, this is for you teenagers, Zacchaeus, dude, you've had a bad day, clearly. If you need to Get any more out? Here's the other cheek. You ever had have those type of days? That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. Or you say to that Roman soldier, you look so tired. Could I have the privilege of carrying your bags to your home? Would you let me do that? What is that? Come on. Really? Come on, I see. Come on. You guys are like, mm -hmm. what is that? That's not passive or being a doormat. That's not doing nothing. That is a very intentional, active response. Purpose-driven life. What? Is it? Well, it is what Jesus is teaching in our scripture today. He calls it agape. Agape love. And let me pause you here. I use the word unconditional, but I'm gonna, I want you to erase something in your interpretation because we think of animals when we think of unconditional love. Oh, my puppy loves me unconditionally. Just try to talk to them about love and see what they say. They love you because they, that's how they're designed. That's an animal. That's evolution. That's how they're designed. 
Jesus loves you. Well, Jesus needs you because he loves us. Unconditional love is in that puppy love thing is not what Jesus is talking about. You think for a second, you kick it, well, sometimes you kick a dog, but you get the point. (laughs) He calls it agape. And that's what he's, uh, what he and we're exploring in the command today, love your enemy. Are you learning something today? If you're interested? Hey, by the way, if, you, if you're just here listening, you're just looking for Jesus and you're not listening, you know what that's called? Entertainment. Isn't it amazing how we've been so conditioned? Too many people are coming to church or, or in life wanting to be inter- entertainment. I, I'm going to challenge you today. I want you to stop looking and let's start listening so that we can apply these truths so that we can become more like our Lord and Savior who's with me. We've got to get the entertainment out of here. And I'm seeing that in some of the actions. Come on, stay with me. We've got to get this right or our next generation will be worse off than what it is now. We have a role and responsibility. Who's with me? Talking about agape love here. The response now, uh, it's all about loving your enemy. The response of a disciple of Jesus, that's you and I. Raise your hand again if you're a disciple of Jesus. If that's you and I. Uh, our response of a, a disciple of Jesus towards evil and wrongdoing is not to do nothing, it is to do agape, who's with me, in return. And please understand that agape love has such a capability of transforming human relationships that there's no, uh, there is a reason why our, our command today is love your enemy. And it's, there's a reason that love your enemy stands as a mountain in the Christian faith. And isn't it sad most people are no longer climbing this mountain? In the history, please hear this, in the history of human ethics and in teachings and in the discourse about corrective behavior and doing the right thing, the lesson that Jesus is teaching, love your enemies in our scripture today, is where everyone, that's theology, that's philosophy, that's just all of the really smart people, all of the different sectors of our community and society, this is where they go to and this is where they look to truly understand love. It's in history. This is a pinnacle of the Christian faith and in life. And if you miss this, you miss it all. You see, something happened when Jesus said these words, love your enemy. They changed human history forever and gave a whole new meaning to love. Let me ask, has your life been changed through the love of Jesus? Unfortunately, I look at most... And their life doesn't change at all. They're just entertained by it. Never receiving it, listening, so that their life will be fulfilling to themselves where they get to serve others in such a way that is so incredible that we get to add value to God's creation. So important. Now, many of you, as well as I, let's kind of go back to where we're at today. Um, many of us understand the word love, L-O-V-E, in the English language is almost useless to understand agape love. It's useless. In fact, I'm going to use the word they use in Scripture, foolish. 
in the English language, how we use it today. It's useless when it comes to God's fatherly love or what is known as transcendent love in the sense of the highest form of love, agape love. Let's, let's kind of think about that a little bit. It, it can mean so many things in the English language. Uh, it means like uh, where I was last night, Sherry again ran out to Safeway, bought my loves of my life, Ben and Jerry ice cream. I love Ben and Jerry ice cream. Come on, who's with me? I love pizza. What do you love? English language. It means so. It, 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 that means I like or prefer something. I prefer this person over this person. I like this political party versus this. I prefer it. Very subjective. It can also mean I appreciate something. I don't know about you, but I love the sitcom Friends. Love it. Don't judge me. Don't you judge me. You're my friends. Leave me alone. It also means I adore, and uh, I adore my granddaughter, Lilypad. It also means I want to be loyal to my wife and my family. It can mean uh, I'm so thankful, and I love my family. You see the difference? They're all over the place. Now we understand that all of these types of loves are so different from each other. However, let me say this. In the good old English language, we use one word. And again, the word is love. We use one word for it all. And again, as I shared, almost useless to understand agape love. So, as you can see, this is a massive problem in the English language. Why? It's a problem because in English, love primarily refers to a feeling. Come on. Remember that first love in junior high? Oh, my feelings. Ooh. Lover. You fall in and out of love. Do you agree with that? I mean, that's, that's how it's used. And that's how we interpret it in the church. And if we do that, we're in big trouble because, hey, feelings come and go. I'm no longer feeling how I felt with Ben and Jerry last night in my recliner. In fact, I got a tummy ache because I ate too much. Not feeling so hot. Don't love them anymore. Are you with me? <laughs> so let me ask, do you, let me ask this. Do you have uh, warm and fuzzy feelings towards Zacchaeus uh, when he backhands you? Is Jesus act, asking us to, to generate warm feelings when these situations arise? Is that what he's asking us? I think we all understand Jesus is talking about not a feeling, but an attitude, a mindset, and then an action that flows from that mindset and or character that is Christ. That's in you, but you have to get it in you. Yes, as the Super Bowl commercial says. What was it? He gets us. But do you get Jesus? Do you have Jesus? I don't care about half of that message. I'm talking about discipleship now. You've got to get Jesus in the way He loved in the way he produces attitude, beat attitudes, the way he develops character and mindset, and how he acts. 
Now let me say this, God has chosen acts of kindness and generosity towards people, regardless of their behavior or regardless of whether they like you or whether you like what they are doing now or whenever. God has chosen to agape. Chosen. The next time you watch that show, think of that. Chosen. God has chosen agape love. So in Jesus' teachings, he's not asking us to generate some false or fuzzy feelings for our enemy or, or anyone for that matter. He is asking you and me to choose, to make a choice, to view them, those enemies or whoever, specifically your enemy, in a certain way. Choose to view them as God sees them. Now this takes intentionality. Understand, uh, within God's plan and His economy, which is different than the world's, I love everybody talking about, oh, the money and all this. I mean, you know what? We're talking about God. God's con- How much $100 bills do you think you're going to see revolving up there, uh, you know, or anywhere, and for that matter? It's a man-made system. Let's get to God's economy and understand some things. Understand when God's plan and, and economy, um, this person, this enemy, is beloved. I hope you haven't tuned me out yet. They are human beings made in the image of God. Yes, they may be screwed up in many ways that are different than yours or mine. Come on, we're all sinners and we are all broken. But now we're going to step in the will of God and increase that through learning lessons like we're learning today and developing so that then we will be truly satisfied because we know that we know we're doing it by God's. Design and, and that's the only thing that's going to bring satisfaction to your soul. Again, they may be screwed up, but so are we. But no matter what, we are all human beings created in God's image. Who's with me? Now, here's the cool part. God has come among us in the form of the person of Jesus to choose to do an act of love towards our enemies. But not only towards our enemies, towards us. On our behalf too. So if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I don't have the right or the authority to treat someone as unloved when our Lord and Savior treated them as someone who was loved. Does that make sense? That's the logic of our lesson today. To become children of our Father who is in heaven. You see, that human who is your enemy is an image-bearer human being. And in God's kingdom or in the will of the Father where we sit today, we don't have the right to deny someone kindness and generosity. Please understand, agape love, it's not going home and lying in bed, thinking of of who did you wrong and saying to yourself, I just love that person. No, it's like this. I can't stand that person. And intentionally thinking they are made in the image of God. When was the last time you had an enemy? Somebody look at you that just opposes you and you recalled that day. That person is made 
in the image of God. And we also recall what Jesus gave, that he gave it all, not only for them, but for us, that he lived and died for that person and for you and I. So I choose to adopt an attitude, a mindset, a, res a responding Christ-like action rather than reacting to feelings where I fight and or run. Today, folks, I challenge each and every one of us to choose to be like Jesus, to be fueled by agape love so that you can learn that attitude, so you have a mindset, mindfulness, paying attention, so that then we can act in a way that's going to express the goodness of God in life. So I challenge everyone to think about that and make a choice today so that then we can change not only our world, but we can go out into all the world and make a huge difference. Ending where we started, Matthew 5, 43 through 46. Once again, you have heard that it was said, love your enemy and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of our Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even the are not even the tax collectors doing that? Church, the message, religious people push you down. Spiritual people lift you up. Amen. Amen.